0: like there's a lot of meaning there's a yeah. lot of meaning in what we do alex <laughs>
1: oh
0: ah. there is there is oh you're not going to talk to me for like five days after no,
1: no. i'm alex higley and i'm
0: Lindsay hunter and, and I'm, I'm a writer, writer but Welcome to I'm a Writer But. Today we have Deborah Shapiro. Deborah Shapiro is the author of the novels The Sun in Your Eyes, a New York Times book review editor's choice, The Summer Demands, and Consolation. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, Los Angeles Review of Books, Sight Unseen, Chicago Magazine, Literary Hub, Washington Square Review, and elsewhere. She lives with her husband and son in
2: Chicago. Welcome, Deb.
0: Welcome. Thank you.
2: Thanks for thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you.
0: I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you. I- Could not put your book down. I loved it so much, and I like. I can't wait to talk. Oh man, it's it's so wonderful. Um and um almost indescribable, but we'll get to that. (laughs) 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 Um, before we get to that, um, we would love to hear you read from it.
2: Great. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna read just the the opening few pages. Um, and. It's about uh, what happens when this young, celebrated photojournalist is killed in a car accident and these three women whose lives overlap with his are kind of left to um, reckon with, with that loss um, and the ways that their lives intersect um, in in the wake of his death. And so this first chapter is from the perspective of a woman named Justine. I shouldn't be here, she thought. A space filled with light, but not gleaming, an autumnal mood, even in summer, on the white walls hung paintings and photographs, some of which she recognized, and a stretch of windows gave out onto rooftops and water towers, a span of the Manhattan Bridge. It was one of those downtown lofts made habitable 40 years ago and not updated much since. You might go by on the sidewalk below and never know all that existed above you. I shouldn't be here. But here she was, just as the guests were starting to assemble and take seats. All she had to do, now that it was too late to leave, was find an empty spot, preferably in one of the rows near the back. The crowd was mostly of an indeterminate age, somewhere over 30 and under 50, like her, though there was an older element too, and it was their presence, Justine felt, that solidified her sense of having entered an exclusive world that operated with an indifference to her own. Wine or water, The question came from a gaunt woman whose angular glasses, black caftan and coarse red hair gave her an oracular look and whose sudden appearance at Justine's side contributed to the effect. Drinks to make the atmosphere more celebratory than somber. It would be that kind of memorial service. Though Justine said water please and the woman gave her water before moving along, she sat in the nearest chair and cupped the glass as if it were a potent elixir like Alice coming upon the little bottle with the label around its neck, drink me. Up front, a tall and slightly stooped man stood to speak and the murmuring crowd went quiet. Hello people. He introduced himself as Alex Greenman and welcomed them all to his home, Alex Greenman. Not too long ago, Justine had gone with her husband to a retrospective of Alex Greenman's early street photography, his mid-career portraiture and his later landscapes. She'd seen portraits of the man himself, clearly taken some time back, when his eyes weren't quite so pouchy, the folds around his mouth not nearly as deep. Hands in pockets, he'd accrued a shuffling appeal, a slumpiness that could only be mistaken for modesty by someone very innocent, who wouldn't recognize it as earned, as the outward expression of an understated power. Alex Greenman, the famous photographer. Down the rabbit hole I've gone. She took a sip. We all knew and loved James Driscoll. Yes, I knew him, I must have loved him too in a way. What a loss, what a loss, Greenman swallowed. I'm not much of a speaker. He paused, shook his head, and Justine couldn't help but think that this hesitation, genuine as it might've been, had the effect of suggesting that what he lacked in rhetorical skill he made up for in another realm, his visual acuity but I wanted to thank you all for coming and say a few words. Many of you know my wife, Susan. He nodded to the woman with the wild red hair, now sitting up close. I don't know that we thought of James as a son, and I don't want to presume to know how we felt about us, but we certainly were devoted to him. Right, Holly? He nodded to yet another woman, one Justine couldn't completely make out through the rows of mourners. Holly, James's aunt, is a very dear friend of mine. She brokered the deal, you could say, between me and James when he grew up and came to New York. You know, I thought as a favor to Holly, I'll meet with this kid and give him some avuncular advice, introduce him to a few people, that'll be that. Soft, rueful laughter from those seated, a collective release. But that wasn't that. Greenman spoke of James's talent and drive, how it made him feel in comparison like a privileged dilettante, but also made him excited again about photography itself. That James would have gone on to do such vital work, though what he'd already accomplished was important and lasting. I hope he knew that, I think he did. He was more than his work though, so I want this to be an opportunity for anyone, for everyone here to say something if they'd like. To share, to remember the time you spent with him, to make a toast if you wish, okay? He raised his hands, ducked his head of gray yet still thick hair. Okay, okay, a growing energy in the room, arising to Greenman's request as he opened the floor. A hint of raucousness of what this could become given the large personalities in attendance. Justine listened as a parade of those personalities, other photographers, editors, activists, news people, art people, offered their recollections and condolences to each other. A rumpled man with lizard eyes spoke of being on assignments with James in Ukraine, in Tunisia, in New Orleans, and how James had a habit wherever they were of seeking out the local dessert, as if partaking of a culture's minor indulgences would yield a protective effect. The director of an environmental justice organization recalled in croaky tones, James at an awards ceremony. You'd never have guessed, she said, how much this low key in the streets guy liked himself in a well-cut suit. He didn't particularly want the award, but he kept the suit. Did any of this square with the person Justine had known, however briefly, however indefinably? Did it need to? She wasn't sure. She wasn't even sure what had drawn her here, only that it had seemed compulsory when she'd discovered the details for the memorial service online. She and James had shared one winter weekend long ago in New England when they were kids, and then they'd been here on these Lower East Side streets in their early 20s, almost younger than when they were children, more unknowing, though maybe it only felt like that in retrospect. He'd gone ahead and made a name for himself. She'd seen it in publications over the years, made note of it each time, occasionally acknowledged a certain pride in his accomplishments and a gauzy disappointment in herself. But she hadn't registered just how much of a name he'd made, really, until now, here in Alex Greenman's loft. She had made something else for herself. A life, you might argue, but hardly a name. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. I have half a mind to make you
0: read... The chapter where she Justine goes to look at the apartment and Eileen, Irene is there.
2: Eileen, <laughs> Irene, but, um, I would be happy to read if you want me to read that. Like, no, I'm gonna, to I'm, that,
0: okay. I'm gonna tell our listeners. That's that's my tantalizing clue okay. that you, everyone should read this book. <laughs> Lindsay
1: was texting me as she was reading that chapter, and she's like, "Are you there yet? Are you there yet?" I'm like,
0: I'm yet. "Hold <laughs> on, <out>, Jesus." <laughs> um. I um some of my favorite books I was get, getting to this before are often very difficult to diffuse into two or three sentence plot descriptions mm-hmm. um because what they're doing is so beyond plot or narrative um mm-hmm. it, it just feels like you're walking alongside these characters and um and then suddenly there's a moment like there was for me in the chapter that I um just described Um, When it becomes so real that I realize the book's purpose is to live, to show what living is Mm. and it's, um, and it's small moments um, that, you know, make up most of what most of a life and in its its pureness of feeling um, and it's little weird perspective shifts. Like when Justine is seeing herself and James from where they are and also from way out. Um, Mm. I just love this book. I love how alive it is even though it's partially about a dead man (laughs) 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 there is just so much and especially as a a woman in my 40s um looking ahead and looking back I I just felt like it's the perfect book for me at this moment in my life um and I just I just want to hear I just want you to start from the beginning and tell me where this came to you like what was the process like how did you make this book
2: yeah um So, um, let's see, I, I started, um, so, so there's a, the, the character of, um, Justine is probably, probably the closest to me just in terms of, you know, age and and life experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but so there's, there's three main, um, women here. There's, there's Justine who's in her forties. Um, and she knew, this guy, James, as a child, and then they had sort of like a one night stand, um, but then it got a little more, a little more than that, a little more complicated in their 20s. Um, then there's a character, Marina, um, who was um, James's girlfriend up until, you know, maybe a, a few weeks before he he dies in this car accident. So they, they've broken up. Um, And then his aunt, Holly, who kind of, um, was involved in, in raising him. Um, and she's, she's never been a mother, um, you know, by choice. Um, Justine has a child and Marina is kind of, she's, you know, she's a bit younger. And I think she's, um, wondering about what, what she wants her, her future to, to look like, um, in a, in a number of ways. So, Mm -hmm. um, So I'm trying to think of where this book started and something that, that is actually um, true to my, (laughs) my life is that, um, you know, there was someone that I had a a brief encounter with when we were in our twenties. We lost touch in the way that people do um, nothing dramatic. Um, But then years later, I was here in Chicago um, married with a kid. And I just saw, um, you know, rather abruptly the way you do on Twitter, um, that he had died and it just, it came up in my feed. Um, and we weren't, we weren't even connected. Um, but you know, that you just sort of see stuff. Um, and it just, um, it just kind of stopped me in my tracks and I didn't, I didn't even really know, um, how it made me feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was like, is, is this grief? Um, am I entitled to grieve? Why am I even asking if I'm entitled to grieve? And and so all these, this sort of, um, cascade of, of emotions, um, just sort of dealing with that and wanting to explore that I felt like, um, that seemed to me to be a good place to to start a book Mm -hmm. um and so it kind of started with that character and then um I didn't only want it to be from from her perspective I wanted to get um you know some of these uh, from I wanted to hear from you know, characters who who were differently involved with mm-hmm. the same person, but I also wanted to explore these relationships. You know, for for each of these women, their relationship with him was not necessarily a, a primary relationship. Um, I think we, I think we, maybe. I mean, grief is is obviously a hugely complex thing. But I think we understand the contours of it, or we think we understand the contours of it, when we're talking about someone when, when you've lost someone really close to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was interested in looking at those what happens when when you lose someone who maybe isn't, you know, actively part of part of your life, or it, you know, is not is not in your life in that way, but it's still is really um affecting um and affects your life and affects how you um how you how you go about um just you know living your life. Yeah, cuz it's like
0: that person exists that that you exists until something like that happens and then you kind of get unmoored. Right. And you kind of have to re moor yourself, you know? <laughs> and that's a process. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Yeah.
1: Starting with Justine, Deb, and then kind of going from there and thinking about other characters, you know, the characters that end up being Marina and Holly, Mm
0: -hmm. characters
1: that are differently involved. Did that always mean to you women of different ages than Justine? Did you always kind of have that in mind or, or had that been an approach to a novel, women from different generations kind of dealing with? not the same exact thing obviously because of their own personal lens but dealing with dealing with I'm trying to just did the different generations aspect different ages uh all women have was that an approach that you had been wanting to explore for a while in your fiction
2: yeah yeah and that was they were they were always those characters were always their ages more more or less um I was interested in just looking at those um, different times um, of, of life. Um, and uh, I, it was something that I had explored um, in my my previous book, there was a character, you know, who's I think uh, 39 and, and another character who's 22, 23. And it's about their, uh, it's really about their interactions. Um, and I think, I think there's something about um, there's something about Justine's age. You know, she's sort of in the middle that allows her to kind of uh, reflect back to um, to Marina, but also ahead to to Holly. And I think they all kind of serve as as models or um, reference points for for each other, mm-hmm. um, either w- when they're thinking about their pasts, or their presents, or their their futures.
0: I want to hear why, because this, this book is self-published. Yes. So I want to hear about your journey (laughs) to that decision.
2: Yeah, it's, um, is a long journey. Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alex and I also like can very much relate to what I think you're about to say. So absolutely. We, yeah. we want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, um, yeah. So this is my my third book. My first two, my first book was published by William Morrow. Um, so, you know, big five. My second book was published by Catapult. So, you know, large independent press mm-hmm. um and i will just you know start by saying like publishing my my publishing journey has never been particularly smooth um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's always been kind of fraught um i don't exactly know why <laughs> fraught in what way just like it never i guess i i thought maybe after you know i published my first book i thought maybe like getting the second one published would be would be a little bit easier Mm -hmm. um and it just it wasn't I think just in terms of you know um I guess the the usual um things you hear of like an editor wanting to buy your book and then not Mm -hmm. being able to for whatever Mm -hmm. reason but you never really know the reason because it's all kind of opaque and it, it that that sort of thing, so mm-hmm. kind of feeling like I maybe I, I don't know, I don't know. Um, but so we went, we had to go out on submission with this one. Um, and you know, I guess it's a, it's a, I've been hearing it's a weird time. Um, <laughs> certainly, you know, both during the pandemic, and I don't know if we are post pandemic, but um, so and you know, it just, um, the responses that it was getting the responses to the book when there were responses, um, were that, you know, it wasn't my quote unquote breakout book. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> and I honestly, I, I mean, I think I know what that means, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure I'm ever going to write the book book that's considered a breakout book um and then it was also getting you know this is this is too quiet um which is another thing that <laughs> it's like i i don't know if that's code for something um if it is a you know maybe code for like you know it's not going to sell a lot of copies but um but i kind of like it is it is quiet it's a quiet book um and i i like that about it i feel like it it asks the reader for a certain amount of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hopefully it'll, you know, it'll find readers who are willing to to give it that attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, it was just, it was out on submission for a long time. And I just started feeling like I was tired of waiting.
0: Um, waiting on the gatekeepers.
2: Waiting on the, on the gatekeepers. Um, and-
1: It's so much waiting.
2: It's so much waiting. And it's, it's really, waiting yeah. is so, it's excruciating, right? It's so yeah. hard. Um, and I I guess I, I started feeling like, well, okay, if this isn't marketable for whatever reason at this moment, um, why can't I make it, you know, the the art project that I want it to be? I just mm-hmm. want to have this book out in the world I want it to be an object that people can hold and read. And that was, that was the goal. Um, so I was talking to, um, I don't know. Do you guys know Kathleen Rooney?
1: Yeah. A little bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Rose metal. yeah. So she's a terrific writer and she also runs uh rose metal press, um, uh, an independent press. And I was talking to her kind of about, you know, is this, doable. Like if I want to put it out myself, but I want to put it out, you know, in a, in a good non crappy way, um, you know, can I, can I do that? Um, and I talked to my agent about it too. And, you know, it began to seem like, um, something that, that was doable. Um, what was your agent saying? So she, (laughs) she was like, you know, Ordinarily, I would not advise this um, (laughs) um, to my clients, but um, I think, I think she felt like for this book and for me in particular, just um, I think she thought that I would be able to do a a decent job with it. Hmm. Um, And that maybe I was in a place where I did have, you know, this isn't my first book. Um, I do have some sense of like, um, you know, community and, and, and uh, readership, and hopefully. um, So uh, that I wasn't just coming out of nowhere. Um, So I think maybe that that had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is, I I feel like we're increasingly seeing this, um, you know, particularly in in like the, the music industry, or the movie industry, and these kind of legacy industries no longer are quite working in the way that they, they used to. Um, And, you know, people are kind of coming up, coming up with different models. Um, And a lot of the, some of the work that I do as a, as a freelance writer um, is for this design website. And I wind up talking to a lot of artists and designers um, who were just, you know, putting the stuff that they make up on their, their websites and, selling it. And I was like, why can't I do that with a book? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I'm trying. I'm going to see how it goes. Um it's a bit of an experiment. Um but um but yeah but I it's and it's really energizing. Like even the you know just the whole I've been enjoying the whole process, like the you know the post kind of editorial process, the, the actually making it into a book and sort of figuring out how to get it out in the world in a, in a thoughtful way that can hopefully, you know, that, that will still reach people. Obviously I don't have the the resources of a, um, you know, of a, of a traditional publishing house.
0: What, I, how do you get the book edited when you're like, who are you turning to, to edit it, to work with?
2: Yeah. So I, you know, it went through, um, a few revisions with my agent, um, and I really, you know, trust her sensibility, her edits, and, you know, I also have a few writer friends who are just amazing editors, and they looked at it as well, and then, um, so the, the work that I do, um, is, I just, I kind of came up through, um, magazine, editorial work. Um, and I'm I still um do that in a uh in a in a on a freelance basis. And so I, you know, I know copy editors. Um right. I, I know those people. And I was able to, you know, hire a woman that I'm friendly with to, to do that. And then it was also talking to to friends. Um, Kathleen, who I mentioned before, mentioned um Bookmobile, which is this um printer um, in Minneapolis and they, they've done books for Gray Wolf. They've done books for Coffee House, um, but they also work with, um, individuals and they just, they do a really beautiful, um, really professional job. Um, so I was able to, to work with them to just kind of turn it into an actual book and, you know, get it typeset and, um, yeah, watch it, watch it, Transform into 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 a book.
0: Your cover is so striking. I was talking to Alex mm-hmm. about this um because it's like right now the trend in book covers <laughs> is like like you know like Alex was calling them like the blobs of color and yeah. you know like <laughs> yeah, florals but, or like faces yeah. you know and like yours yeah. is just like this stark eggshell white with these three intersecting lines that continue on you know yeah and then Inner the inside flaps. yeah,
1: yeah so beautiful.
0: Alex oh was thank you
2: yeah I love that I, I that was the important to me the the inside um because I love the um the New York Review of Books classics they all like all the 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 inside the interior covers are just kind of a, a contrasting mm-hmm. color um to the to the cover so yeah covers are I I don't know I just I remember <laughs> my first book I, I'm trying to think of like how honest I should. please be honest so with my first book um with the hard cover um there was this so the, the first book I wrote uh, the first novel I published um centered on these two friends uh so it was you know sort of if you, if you wanted to distill it it was a novel of, of female friendship um so young women and I you know was just kind of dreading the, the cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was this William Eggleston photo that I loved and I had mm-hmm. as a as a postcard. And it's of the it's a picture of these two women, two young women, they're at a party, they're on a couch. Um, one of the women is oh, yeah. uh, his cousin. Yeah. I think and I know so- this picture yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a famous, it's a famous shot. And, um, and so I had sort of had that in mind and I sent it to my editor at the time and she loved it. And she was like, oh, but you know, I don't think we can, can use it. And eventually, you know, I got the, I got the, the images of the cover and they were just, you know, <laughs> like stock, stock photography of like two white women, in, you know on a beach and <laughs> oh just, or in a field and I just felt like that is not my book and that's I, I don't know and you know and it is especially as a first time you know is my first time doing all of this I didn't know how how much I could push back mm-hmm. um and eventually um you know we we wound up having some some conversations and ultimately um, we did, we, we got to use the, um, the Eggleston photo um, on, the, on the hardcover, which was amazing. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it was, it was hard. It was, it was, it was, um, it was nerve wracking the whole, the whole process. Um, yeah, and so for this one, I thought, I just, um, I wanted to do something simple Um, I also just for cost, you know, I didn't want to get into having to license, um, an image, um, or, you know, license someone's, someone's artwork. Um, and I kind of, I was looking at a lot of, um, art books, uh, which are obviously, you know, different. I mean, they're incredibly, you know they're visually heavy, but the covers are often so striking and mm-hmm. plain. And they're just, you know, uh, they're just a color and type um, and, you know, the title and, and the, the, uh, you know, art author or artist's name. Um, and so I, I just thought, yeah, me and, you know, maybe a, a simple cover actually winds up distinguishing it a little bit from mm-hmm. the color blob
0: <laughs> yeah it really does it really does yeah. like exact comment yeah yeah <laughs> you know like when i finished reading the book and i looked at the cover again i was like oh my god the lines i yeah, get it the lines. <laughs> <laughs>
2: three
0: intersecting lines and they keep yeah. going, they keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, is, it is so like it is so like a book that you stop and go like what is that
1: art books too like I was just I'm thinking like any of those like big shtidal like yeah. monographs they're like exactly. so often you're right just like the name of of the artist and the name of the book itself and onto the onto the work like it's not
0: yeah
2: it's
1: not flashy that's so true I hadn't thought about that
2: yeah yeah and I know I mean I you know I, I my understanding is that you know these, the color blob covers look the way they do because they work well as, you know, uh, thumbnails and everything. Because yeah, we're all ostriches. We're all like, ooh, shiny. Right.
0: You know, it's <laughs> right. A, it's
1: right. such a lame explanation because it's like, all right, that may objectively be true that I can see the little blue dots and right. red dots better on my phone, but to what end? Like, right what yeah. are we actually saying? Like, right,
2: right. like I
1: can watch a football game better on a TV than on my phone. That doesn't, okay. What are we talking about? I don't even know what you're saying. Like, right. these, are just, these are just facts. Like what's going Go on here?
0: Broncos. That's right. right. Uh, <laughs> God. Anyway, sorry. I would like to bring up a spoilery thing. Okay. Not that this, not that this book yeah. is a book that can be spoiled. Um, like the guy is dead
2: um you know that from the outset yeah I thought it was so like
0: badass of you that in the final pages the pandemic happens Mm, and mm. I wanted you to tell us about that choice
2: uh yeah well so I started writing it before before the pandemic Mm. um and then you know obviously the the pandemic happened um and i was still i was writing it you know during the pandemic um you know especially like the that first year um and so i i you know it was always set in the present ish right um and i think uh it became um you know i didn't want it to take place during the pandemic because mm-hmm. they're not, they're not living that, that kind of life. They're living right. pre pandemic, um, existence. Um, but I also, you know, wanted it to be, it, it's, it's set in, you know, our, it's a, it's a realistic novel. Um, and, you know, I, I think, I, I do feel like it is a novel of, of, of moments of connected moments, um, and, and moving through these women's lives. Um, and uh and so i wasn't exactly sure i knew where i wanted to to end it um but i i wasn't exactly sure you know how to get maybe like the the penultimate material <laughs> before the ending um and it just kind of made sense to to kind of put them put them right at 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 the beginning mm-hmm. um of of everything when we didn't we didn't really know where, where things were going. Um, Mm -hmm. And just trying to, to have that, trying to deal with that really big unknown and kind of, you know, what, what that, what that brings out in in them and what changes and what doesn't. And, you know, the fact that like, like, again, not to be spoilery, but, you know, Alex, the the famous photographer like flees to his, his I was gonna
0: say <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <love> that
2: guy. <laughs> and Holly is like you know stuck in her condo with her cat so mm-hmm. yeah
0: um but she has power over him in that moment which is so interesting totally,
2: totally yeah um yeah that was really interesting to me to explore that relationship um I there's there there is that certain kind of I don't want to say Holly's a type, but there's a certain kind of woman um, that, I've, that I've always sort of drawn to. Um, these, you know, these women who, and Holly describes them as like a, a loose network of women who were sort of part of some scene um, that maybe like a few kind of well-known oh figures- God, I forgot emerge. about that part. Um, that part is so great. Oh, thanks, thanks. And um, yeah, and so, you know, and so these few often male figures emerge And then, you know, like I'm, I am the kind of person that I will like go online and like go down rabbit holes and read about these, you know, some like scene in New York from the like early eighties, you know, and, uh, that, you know, some filmmaker or, you know, interesting art came out of, and they, you know, you all, I will always read about these women who are now, you know, school teachers or, Mm -hmm nurses or real estate agents. And, uh, you know, and they live upstate or they live, you know, in New Jersey. And, um, and I just, I'm always like, I want to know about them. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to know what happened to them. Um, And- I I
0: have to read it because you said, she was thinking of the women who had booked acts at dank clubs whose dankness would later be written about in legendary terms, who had played bass in no wave bands, who painted, who shot video, who took photographs, who danced. They had moved out of the city when they could no longer afford it, had become registered nurses, school teachers, half-hearted real estate agents, social workers. Some had had children, others never did. She had never thought of those women as a different kind of loose network, though that's what they were, the women whose work was not in a museum or preserved on a record or printed in a book and never would be because their early efforts had been lost to obscurity or had been ephemeral to begin with, the women who would become footnotes in the more celebrated lives of others.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. it's so true. Yeah. And that's, so that's, that's really one of the main things I wanted to explore in this book. I feel like each of these characters feels like a footnote in, or or they're made to feel like a footnote in, in James's life and the life of this more celebrated um, uh, character. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so I just, I, I, I think I wanted to look at um, to just get a closer look at their lives but also like yeah like I, I don't know I mean people are characterized as footnotes in other people's lives but I you know do you do those people actually feel that way about their, their own right. lives? I don't I don't think so right um yeah life is long that's the right. other thing you know yeah it's very very long it is <laughs>
0: I guess not for James, wah, wah, wah. No. God, that was I'm so sorry. I've been ill, and that's it's just all coming out now. No. Um, <laughs> I really want to talk about New York because it feels like um i I said this to um I think to Lynn Stegerstrong on twitter that this feels like a love letter to New York. oh, I know that's such a thrown around cliched phrase, but it really does feel like of a place, yeah, and, and I wanted to hear your your thoughts on that.
2: For sure. Yeah, I didn't um I didn't set out to to do that, or it wasn't my intention um, I think to to write a, a love letter to New York, but I, I think it definitely is that. Um and I I think part of it is because I I did want to explore um this time uh in you know, in or it started with uh the the Justine character and this time in her life um that was really formative for her and for me that that time was in I spent it in New York um in my you know my my 20s and 30s and then I moved to uh Chicago this one has about 37 um so uh yeah so so there were these really you know formative it was a formative place um and that's where a lot of my my memories are, um, and I think memory and sort of the, the accumulation and uh, the the accretion of memory is really important to me as a as a writer, um, and how characters uh, look back on on their lives and how those you know uh, how their pasts influence and continue to, to influence their their presence. Um, and and how they might move forward um and so for me the place where i still go is is new york and and also boston um because that's you know where i where i grew up um Mm -hmm. so did you have a
0: mushroom mushroom growing in your bathroom
2: in new york (laughs) i did did. (laughs) justine you did (laughs) did.
0: (laughs) oh god in new york is so
2: gross Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't mind it at the time. (laughs) Right. I love, I love how Justine is just like, this is
0: where I'm supposed to be. Right. this is exactly the way it's supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and I think maybe you get, maybe you reach a point in your life where you're like, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's not cool to have a mushroom like growing out in my bathroom. Like maybe that's, that's not okay. And I shouldn't be living like this. And so I think, you know, I, I was thinking about this because it, you know, when when we have when people write these love letters to New York or there's sort of like the cottage industry of like the I'm leaving New York essay, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or this is why I'm leaving New York. And I feel like um it's you know, there's a lot of reasons to miss New York, but I I feel like um I think or I wonder if a lot of that has to do with people missing their their youth. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you know people often wind up leaving when um, you know, at a certain, at a certain age, um, when it's, it's like, you know, it doesn't that, that life that you've been living no longer feels like it's quite, um, working for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's tiring. It's, it's tiring. <laughs> I'm <laughs> too tired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. My two good friends who lived in New York, they both moved to LA at, you know, around the exact same time.
2: Yeah. And how are are they, they're still there. They love it. Yeah. Sunshine. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. LA seems, seems great. Um, yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know what it is. I I think it's, I think it's for me, it's, it's having spent your youth in a place. And I wonder if I had spent my youth in a, in a different city, if I would, you know, be writing about, about that city. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know.
1: Did you have particular photographers in mind either as models for Alex or James?
2: Um no one, you know, uh no one specific. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for for James, I I wound up looking at a lot of, you know, just documentary photography or um books of um of war photography. Mm-hmm. Um I actually wound up reading there's a memoir by um Lindsay Dario who's she's a um a photographer I, I think she's primarily with the new york times and yeah. she wrote a memoir um and and marina the character of marina kind of reflects on this a little bit it was so interesting for me to read her memoir um because because she's a woman in this you know field that is kind of dominated by by men mm-hmm. um and i just thought her you know, I would, I would read interviews with, with the male photographers and I would read interviews with her and she, I just felt it was so much easier to relate to her and her outlook and kind of what, what she was trying to do. Um, so, so there was that. And then I feel like, you know, all these, all the kind of big photographers of the seventies the and eighties, um, I think probably f- shade into, uh, Alex's work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh,
1: Stephen
2: Shore,
1: Stephen Shore, yeah. yeah. I name one person as if that's a list. I know, <laughs> I I mean, I'm blanking on uh, all Stephen Shore, I'm uh, like William Magleston, you've already Stephen named uh, yeah. <laughs> Lee um, Friedlander,
2: yeah. I sure, yeah. You know, we can we do, the, we can
1: get uh, to five, I bet,
0: but it's right?
2: going to <laughs> <laughs> not meant to be about them I don't of know course, what their lives are 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 like but um but in terms of the work that he kind of does it
1: absolutely was- that was that was what I thought would be so fun about ha- writing about a photographer is even if none of the biography leaked into the narrative in any way it would just be fun to to imagine what the work looked like to imagine what the photographs were I feel like that would be such a fun project
2: Yeah, it it was yeah, and they yeah I think they they are kind of Stephen Stephen Shore esque sure in my mind yeah.
0: (laughs) What are you planning on doing for like a little book tour or marketing?
2: Yeah, so I'm gonna be doing um, a reading at Exile and Bookville, and I'm gonna be doing another event at Seminary Co-op. Yeah, so both in Chicago and um you know, it's, I'm trying to figure out if I, um, if I should try to, you know, organize something else. It's, it's hard because, you know, it's all on, on my dime <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it does it, will it make sense um, financially? Um, So, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out what I, what I can do and, and do it in a way that, feels um you know not gross to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. what about little zoom events I would I would love to do that I think I just need to figure out how to how to coordinate that um yeah so this is all I'm kind of learning as I go um and trying to figure out how to you know, how to best get this out in the world. And the thing I know we had talked about this a little bit um, earlier is this idea, I I think gets kind of, um, all right, it got drilled into me anyway like in 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 publishing of that you know your book basically has a lifespan of like a, the week that it Ugh. published, right and, uh-huh. and then that's it and that's why pre-orders matter so much because they go into those first week sales and then like after that it's like, okay, on to the next thing, right um and then maybe when your paperback comes out, you get a chance to you know, kind of try and and get a little bit of attention again. And, you know, I understand why, why it works that way, or, you know, I I don't understand it necessarily, but I can grasp, you know, the the concept. Um, But I I feel like that's not, that's not how I read books. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, you know, it's not like a book comes out and I have to read it right away or it's, you know, or it's spoiled. If anything, I, I think that books, for me, they, you know, um, they're lasting or good books are lasting. Um, so I, I, to the extent that I can, I'm trying to move away from, from that model. Um, and hopefully, you know, I, the thing is, like, I'm, I'm sort of like the one woman show with this, like, I'm the I'm the the publisher, I'm the distributor. So like all the, the books are here. <laughs> yep. yeah, um, the so I can yeah. as long as yeah, and the publicist, so as long as I can store them, I can I can sell them. Mm-hmm. Um so hopefully, hopefully I can figure out a way to keep some kind of momentum going. Or hopefully like as people read it, maybe you know, they will tell a friend about it and um that really know, matters. It I, I yeah. really
0: think that matters you know, as much as, as pre-orders and that, and you're, you're exactly right. Like, I don't read really any book the the week it comes out. Right. And I probably don't have it then either. You know, like I get it when I can get to it. You know, I have like my little, like going to read, want to read list, you know? Right. Um, And it's, it's unfair because often I discover books, you know, months or a year or two years after they came out. And I'm like,
2: this was really great. I want to talk about it. You know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, and, the, it's... and the other thing is there's so few books that actually enter into any kind of cultural conversation. Oh my hey, God. So hey. for the most part, it's like a conversation you're having yourself with, with mm-hmm. the book, right. Yeah. Which, which yeah. is great. Like that's, that's what I want as a, as a reader usually. Um, so I, kind of feel like you yeah you don't you know and the the listicles that are like 80 books to read and you know the next week (laughs) (laughs) I
0: know it's like that is
1: barely an exaggeration
2: (laughs) it
0: is exactly it's like the most anticipated books of the fall and it's like Mm -hmm. 300 titles and it's like (laughs) I can't I can't do it I'll try (laughs) right I
1: I mean we read you know we don't record every week every week but pretty much every week we record. Yeah, you must and, read
2: a lot. Yeah. And
1: so we read, you know, a book a week and honestly, it's difficult to read a book a week. And that's yeah. about, that's like breakneck speed. Yes,
0: totally. To, to, I
1: mean, right. so some of these, some of these lists, it's like, yeah, it's bizarre. And, you know, it's like that people are publicists pay to get these books on most of these lists or, Mm -hmm. you know, and not that I believe that's nefarious or anything at all. It's just, that's how the business works. And yeah, it's so, I think there's so many small things like that where they're, it's not even really hidden a lot of that stuff. It's just like you said earlier, Deb, you know, there are aspects of publishing that that are very opaque and are it's hard to, it's hard it feels difficult to access the ultimate opinion that matters when
2: mm-hmm.
1: when there's a when there's a close no or or mm-hmm. you know an almost. It, it feels impossible to 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 understand if the almost was actually a oh hell no you never you never <laughs> right. were close. Yes, and, and and yet on the back end. For me, at least it always feels that way. It's like, ah, you know what? I was deluding myself thinking that I had a chance here. This is right. Yeah. And, and yet yeah, it, it, what's so interesting to me listening to you describe this process with, with, with your book right now with consolation is it reminds me so much of my first two books, which were published on very, very small presses. mm mm-hmm neither of which had distribution Mm
2: -hmm. and so
1: to get them in bookstores I would just go to the bookstores and say hey would you guys carry the book and
2: and bookstores have been really supportive and I was gonna say say, I mean so
1: many and I don't know if this is a Chicago thing or not but I mean so many bookstores said yes and they were like absolutely you know uh you know we will sell it on consignment no problem here's the form we'll be in touch and it's like ultimately that 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 like you were saying you know that's what you're looking for you're looking for people to have access to your book which they absolutely do in bookstores here in chicago and i'm sure elsewhere but also online the same way they would buy any other goddamn book. so <laughs> exactly. i mean it's that's like happening. the there's there's so much of this that it's like you know you went through every single other step of this process and yet and yet still we have the book, which is fantastic. So I'm I'm so happy to kind of hear more of the details of this because really it's like really what you did is you just, you know, you started a small press and it's printed yeah. and here it is.
2: Yeah. B side editions. Yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Um, yeah. But and I wanted to, it, it made me think, you know, when you were talking about you never know was the was the almost actually a you know a hell no. And right. I think right. um, you know, I think earlier in, in my, you know, uh, I don't want to say my writing career, but I don't know what else to call it. Um, I think I would have taken this rejection really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. and I would have thought, you know, I'm a terrible writer, like clearly like my, you you know, um, my work doesn't, uh, it doesn't, um, it's lacking something. Right. And I, I think I've gotten to a point where I I have enough belief in, in what I do and the kind of writing that I want to do that I I didn't feel that way this time. I felt like, no, it's not, it's something about, it's something about, um, you know, it's not me, it's them. (laughs) Um, like that it's, it's publishing and, and for whatever reason it's, it's not marketable, but maybe it can still, it can be marketable enough for, for me um for what I want to do
0: it is such a fantastic book I have been thinking about it ever since I finished reading it um I just I can't say enough about it I I I loved it I absolutely loved it that is Um, really
2: wonderful to hear
0: there's something for everyone
2: Can I use that as a blurb?
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, that's uh free of charge. (laughs) Uh Lindsay Hunter on theraflu There's little for everyone.
1: Yeah, how much did you take?
0: I drink my little, my little cup of hot theraflu. You know, get the get amount.
1: the dosage on the blurb just
0: to be sure. <laughs> yeah, how much did you take? Yeah. A normal amount. <laughs> <laughs> and I have some. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, the book is consolation. The writer is Deborah Shapiro. It is so great if they want to get a copy do they go to b dot they how do they They do
2: it? go to my my website which is oh, no. um deborah shapiro.com um and you can find it there i think if you google it you can probably it hopefully comes up pretty pretty quickly um and yeah and it'll also be available at um select bookstores um
1: do you yeah. want to shout a few out in the chicago area that have it
2: yeah, um, so uh, Exile and Bookville is gonna have it. Awesome. Um, all, <laughs> 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 it I mean, cool. all the, the bookstores around here are great, and um, Seminary Co-op, Pilsen Community Books. Awesome. Um, volumes Books. And yeah. yeah. I just uh, I need to I need to make the rounds. And... All, all
1: the great indies here. That's volumes.
0: Awesome. Uh, volumes just reopened. That's just right. Reopened.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. God, that's so wild.
0: Awesome. So call any of those bookstores and and order several copies and start a book club <laughs> and invite Deborah to come via Zoom. I'm happy to Zoom in. There you go. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. This was thank awesome. Thank you. This was great.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Good yes, luck with this. It. And thank it's going to be great. Thank you guys so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Deb.
2: Bye. Bye.
0: Yeah. what did you put in the chat
1: oh the picture of the picture she was talking about oh did okay that come up i don't know no i don't I clicked know how to, to do download shit.
0: it and it was like potential security issue detected
1: oh weird no, no it's just didn't. the. it was just that picture that she was describing
0: the girls on the couch yeah okay um i put a virus in the chat <laughs> Let's end this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Lindsay, I just gave our computers cancer, so
0: we're fucked. <laughs> I haven't even paid off this Mac oh, yet. How God. could you?
1: Oh, my God.
0: Um, I'm so I... glad we had
1: Deb on. That was really cool and a unique, a unique story for us on the show, even though I think a lot of writers have reached have gone through similar beats and especially over the past couple of years. And I think Deb made such a cool decision with the book and it turned out beautiful.
0: God, it's so beautiful. It's so like meticulous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 I love that she called it an art object because it does feel mm-hmm. that way. It's, yeah. I loved it. I loved it more than I thought I was going to love it. Um, yeah. Cause I'm familiar with Deb's work and right. knew like I was in good hands. Um, and then I just was swept away um so highly recommend um it's paperback so you know you don't have to like strain your back carrying it around
1: that <laughs> a concern for people
0: <laughs> you know ben actually like he gets all excited when he's reading a book on his on his e-reader because uh-huh. he's like oh you know he's like i don't gotta carry the book on the train oh my god it's all in the kindle <laughs> so yes people do worry about that hey, we ben were, person um, we were watching a lot of football today good and what you watch is... that
1: goddamn Ravens game
0: yes oh well we have god. the red zone we have the red zone so we watched oh, all the games so it was amazing it was like the first Sunday I actually got to like sit and watch oh, um god. what is your favorite footballism
1: oh, like saying yes oh my god that's such a great question can you mine, give me yours? Yeah, mine
0: is keep the drive alive, <laughs> KTDA.
1: Uh, I don't know, maybe like ground and pound.
0: <laughs> I don't think I've even heard of that one.
1: Oh, you know what? They got to get back to ground and pound, oh. running the ball.
0: Oh my goodness! I like uh when like the the big the big offensive guy or the big uh-huh. defensive guy accidentally gets the ball and starts running for the end zone.
1: Oh yeah, fat guy, fat guy, touchdown!
2: He's right.
0: rumbling and rumbling and jumbling. Rumbling, jumbling <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was getting reacquainted with all my football isms. That's awesome. Yeah. Really I, delightful.
1: I, I love, I love football. I'm, yeah. I, I feel the same way. It's funny. Like people are people I'm being apologetic about right now, but I really don't have, I'm not conflicted about this. I just love football.
0: You know, I went through a long phase of like being very conflicted about it because mm-hmm. I, love it and i started watching Mm -hmm. it when um like ben was in law school and he'd have to study all weekend Mm -hmm. and i would just like put the tv on and it would be football and i would like want him to like hear it so he could feel like he was you know yeah i was just like getting really into it of Um, course like i love learning about the players and i love like like i don't know are
1: you a dolphins fan
0: i'm not you're
1: not you 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 will just i mean with red zone that's like that's another level of you yeah. truly, you don't have to be wed to a team to enjoy right. red zone. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. I never really had like a pro team, like a Florida pro team that I mm-hmm. loved. Um, I went to FSU cause I loved the Seminoles when mm-hmm. I was a kid and I don't, I don't remember why. So I went to FSU for one year. <laughs>
1: Boy, I, you know what? I didn't even know that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was in their theater program. Wow. And it was just like too much of a change. I wanted to be closer to my family. I mean that's so I a transfer.
1: massive school, right?
0: It's a pretty big school, but it feels it's like, like it Tallahassee? Tallahassee. Okay, yeah, yeah, Tallahassee and like the Panhandle. The, they feel like the South, whereas Orlando doesn't feel like anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I transferred back to or uh, to UCF in Orlando mm-hmm. after my first year, and it was a better fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, go Knights. Um, but but pro football i don't really have i just want everyone to have a good time you know (laughs) i love scott hansen on the red zone oh my god he's amazing he has the dream job yeah football football love it oh you're ready for some football
1: and it's just so fun for gambling because it's all one day i mean except for thursday and monday so you can really get nuts
0: (laughs) i haven't done that side of it but i trust that you're right yeah um and my whole family's sick same (laughs) there's like stomach bug maybe pink eye what do you guys have uh
1: you know what it's a lot of like runny nose Mm -hmm. cough Mm -hmm. drainage no sleep Mm -hmm. that kind of thing um i got something though do you have a strong feeling about the movie hocus pocus
0: i have never seen it i
1: just watched it with the girls i think i've seen it i don't know five times easily five times i i think it's great that's my only opinion i love it
0: <laughs> love ben okay. mittler i've learned good things
1: love uh sarah jessica Parker. are you excited
0: about the new one
1: sure i will watch it i'm gonna watch okay. it okay. absolutely all right that's all i got
0: all right i'll make sure i watch that with
1: i think you'd like it it's like For lots of children. like faces and like you know goofing around
0: I like that I think I was too old for it when it came out. Okay. You know, because I feel like it was a big part of a lot of my friends' childhoods, younger okay. friends. I think, I think it was, like I, ninety-three. Yeah, I don't you're probably I don't know. I was obsessed with this yeah, um 93. movie called The Worst Witch, which was a young Faruza Balk. It's... Oh, of and, course. She's a legend. Um, yes, lots of uh famous Broadway or Shakespearean actors actors and actresses Mm -hmm. tim curry plays the grand wizard the Um, grand wizard yes it is my god terrible effects but i don't know it just slapped we just loved it we had it. me and my sister had it memorized and still do um you should google the grand wizards anything can happen on halloween song because it
1: is bizarre god there's a lot of things (laughs) called the worst witch because i was looking at the wrong thing there's
0: a yeah they did a remake for netflix like a show okay which i think is actually kind of good i don't i don't think we've watched like one or two episodes but
1: oh my god tim curry like Like you said tim curry but it didn't register to me what the fuck you were saying
0: yeah Mm -hmm. holy shit the tim curry
1: the tim curry i just always think of that line from home alone Two with him uh your very own cheese pizza (laughs) (laughs) i can't do a tim curry voice at all
0: (laughs) Come here to me. Come here to me. Uh, oh, exactly. <laughs> Jesus. Um, that's He's it. April.
1: Oh. He's April like us.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. That makes so much sense.
1: Yeah, because he's so handsome.
0: Yes, and talented.
1: And talented and great. Um, um,
0: I'm reading a great book called Diary of a Misfit. And I know this book doesn't need any recommendations because I think everyone's loving it. But it's a memoir about a journalist who is researching a transgender man. Whoa, great cover. Who, yeah, who um, was named Roy and was kidnapped as a child and as a girl child and then dressed and treated like a boy Whoa. because that child's parents allegedly abused him. Anyway, it's Jesus, but it's about, like, it's about the journalist's life and childhood and relationship with her mother and it's about, like, trying to figure out this mystery of Roy and, like, getting it and i don't know i'm just i love it it's so good
1: yeah it sounds sounds
0: that and consolation
1: that and consolation yes killing me awesome all right have uh have a life have the the best week of your life
0: oh god i uh, uh, okay thank you hope
1: you hope you live (laughs) hope you stay alive (laughs) Bye. bye
0: A writer Butt is recorded by Alex Hickley and me, Lindsay Hunter, in our respective basements. Editing by Lindsay Hunter, music by Max Loop. Yeah, yeah!